I'm Kim Strobel, and this is She Finds Joy. I've struggled with overcoming adversities throughout my life, feeling defeated and not having the confidence to go after what I wanted. But within every adversity, it can also sow the seed for something more in our lives. For me, that is teaching others to step into the arena of bigness, all while doing hard things and reaching for more joy and happiness along the way. I'm a truth-telling, real-talk happiness coach who believes in giving you the tools to create a life you love. Welcome to the zero fluff, no BS advice that gives you the small steps for big joy. Von Rush, professionally known as Sean Von Carter, is an Army veteran, entrepreneur, male lead and entertainer, and international traveler. He currently lives in New York City and San Diego, California, although he frequently travels across the states. He graduated from the Frank Sinatra School of Arts High School in New York City and is pursuing his Master of Social Work at Fordham University. Vaughn served in the United States Army for seven years, deploying to Iraq in 2011 as a behavioral health specialist and medic. For six years prior to the COVID pandemic, Vaughn owned and operated a backpackers hostel in San Diego, California. Currently, you can catch our guest, go-go dancing in New York City, San Francisco, and abroad, as well as a male lead in pageants, nightclubs, and drag shows. His passions include travel, mental health, physical fitness, gay pride, and authenticity. Vaughn, I am so excited to have you on today's show. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. I've been waiting for this for like 20 years at this point. So I know it feels like that. So let's tell our audience how we met. And by the way, I think I saw a quote that I thought you purposely um, posted and were thinking of me the other day, but um, I was actually in Vermont staying at a friend's cabin for two and a half weeks. And I was on a sabbatical and I was writing my book and I was there for two weeks by myself. And then my husband joined me. And now let me just say, while I was there, I wrote 28,000 words and 12 chapters. What you also need to know is this would have been 2019. I have not written a single word since Vaughn. <laughs> because I am a destination only writer, you know? So anyway, I tell my husband, I want to go to into Stowe, Vermont, which is about 20 minutes away. Cause I'm this massive snow skier. I love the mountains. It's October, November, I think. Um, and so I just want to go to the area. And so we see this like restaurant slash bar and we stop and decide, Hey, we're going to have some drinks. Now I, as you know, as a speaker, Vaughn, I read people really, really, really well. Like I can pick up on all the energy in the room. And over to the side is this guy and this woman, and they're just kind of keeping to themselves and having all this conversation. And I find myself wanting to find out more about you. But then I'm like, okay, I have introverted Scott next to me and he gets all jiggy when I get up in somebody else's business. 
And so I don't know if you remember this, but I literally waited for him to go to the bathroom and then I just attacked you. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> I just like, I scooted my chair up next to you. I started asking questions. Um, what did you think about that? I want to know what's your honest answer at first. Um, to be honest, I am, I am a very interesting person and I know that, and everywhere I go, people have questions for me and want to know stuff and, you know, everything. So I'm very used to it and I always have a lot to say. So whenever people have to ask me questions or interview me, I was like, I could go for hours, just, you know, whatever you need to know. And I'm, I'm an open book, as you know, so. Yeah, we found out me. a lot about each other right away, didn't we? Yeah, I mm -hmm. think Scott came back from the bathroom and I had already volunteered to be your surrogate mother. We were going to plan our next vacation together. <laughs> That's kind of how I roll on. All right. So um, I just read your bio and you're a male entertainer, an Iraq war veteran and a very liberated person. Now, what I found interesting about you is you were in the army and a gay man. And I think back in 20, uh, was it 2011? For Iraq? Yeah. 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 2011. So tell me this, when did you come out as a gay black man? Um, I've always been a little gay black man, I guess. Um, I, you know, I went to performing arts high school and stuff like that. So I've kind of always been that for a while. I, junior high, high, you know, came into my own. Uh, I didn't really hide it in the military. Uh, I, I kind of came in, people didn't really care. You just had to not say certain things um, and you'd be, you'd be fine. And you know, there's a lot of gay people that were serving in the military, which is why the pressure came to get rid of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, because there's so many people serving. Absolutely. And for those people who don't know what Don't Ask, Don't Tell is, that's when President Obama right? Didn't he sign that law in December 2010 and tell the nation that homosexuals would no longer fear discharge by the military by admitting their sexual preference? Yeah, I believe he was the one that repealed it. I believe that- Oh, he Bill repealed Clinton, it. He repealed it. I believe Clinton had put it in place maybe 93 or something, and he was the one that repealed it. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So then- um, okay. I want to go back a minute though. So people that you went to school with knew you were gay. Yeah. And you had a very supportive mother the entire time. I remember you telling me that. Yes. Yes. My mother, she, she, I always credit her for being one of the reasons that I didn't really go awry in life. Cause I was a really erratic child, you know, um, and I've become more mature and stable now through life experiences and entrepreneurship, but it, she did a lot to kind of keep me on track because like I said, I could have been anywhere, everywhere, and I would not have been as successful as I am today if she didn't yes. try as hard. Did you, and I'm, I'm asking because I have, you know, people that I know that are gay and they have struggled, um, and still struggle with a lot of shame over how they were made. Um, and I think a lot of it comes from not feeling that they have that support from others or they can't even maybe come out as who they are. 
and it has affected them their entire life. Did you ever feel any of that shame or wonder why you were different growing up? Well, I mean, I've always, you know, been through that. I've this, the story of the, the gay child discovering themselves. I kind of ha- I've had that uh, not as bad, though, um, as a lot of other people, but I definitely had mine. I'm on the other spectrum of that now where I feel extremely liberated. I feel extremely proud. Um, one reason is because I know who I am. I, I also know that I, it's better to be gay than it is to be straight. It's more seasoning, as I say. A lot here, there's a lot of stuff that straight people that have to deal with, and I'm like, not, not my problem. Uh, and just being able to be myself and defend myself as well helps because a lot of people feel physical, um, not physically safe sometimes uh, with getting bullied and things of that nature. So. Oh, yes, yes. Now, what would you say? to someone, an adult who has maybe known this about themselves the whole time, but they have immense fear um, and feel like they will never be able to show who they truly are. Um, And, you know, I live in the Midwest um, and it can be even harder, I think, but do you have in this, these would have to be just baby steps, but what can someone who feels that much fear to be who they truly are? I can, yeah, I can understand the fear, especially when it comes to religious places and other, you know, places that make people feel unsafe if they were to be open. Um, there's, a, there's, there's consequences that occur, but also the joy of being liberated is so much greater. Um, and I think about all that I had to go through on a regular basis until be, to, to get liberated and how freeing that is. But looking back and I'm like, okay, yeah, that was hard. Never thought I'd get through that. Oh, I thought it was over for me here in a bunch of different circumstances. But in the end, there's nothing greater than being free. You know, there's nothing greater than being liberated. Yeah. Uh, and it, you'll, it, it's not going to be an easy road depending on where you live. You know, some places still have unpaved roads, if you like a little metaphor. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, you are, I follow you, of course, on Instagram, and we're going to give all the links for that at the end of this show. But I don't know if you know, I'm like clicking on your stories all of the time. Now, Vaughn, <laughs> I have to admit, I think I told you this when we were having some drinks, Moscow mules for me, um, like, okay, I'm just going to go there. Even though I sometimes get nervous. Cause I know a lot of people who listen to my podcast are like educators, you know, even though this is not a podcast just for educators, but it's like, oh gosh, how, how much can I let my freak fly, freak flag f- fly, you know, but like, I remember you being like, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, like. <laughs> You, I mean, I can dance, but only if it's like a group of people or by myself when my husband goes to the gym and I feel like I'm really going to just have some fun. And I was like, oh my God, I could never like you, you are doing like all the sexy dancing and, and I watch your stories just because like, I am amazed. And I'm just going to say this, I'm a straight white woman. You are a gay black man. And it's like some of the stuff you do, it's like, that turns me on, Vaughn. <laughs> I will say, um, 
especially recently, I've traveled to a couple countries. And when I was in Brazil in particular, I'm walking around and I was like, the girls are giving me more attention than the guys are. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I mean, you have the body, you have the moves. Um, uh, yeah, it's like, <laughs> it cracks me up. I love it. I love it. I love it so much because you are like, I think I'm really comfortable in my skin a lot of the time, but I also think, um, there's a, another layer to me that at times I kind of keep repressed, um, not in direct relation to like dancing, but just, I know that there's still part of Kim Strobel. Who's like, kind of keep it in line now, girl, you know? Um, and so I, I really, really, really love that about you. It, it is so energizing. And I do think like next time we get to maybe be around each other, I'm thinking I need a private dance class from you. <laughs> yeah. we'll, go, we'll go dancing. We'll go dancing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I want to talk about mental health because that's the other thing that you have been incredibly transparent about. And so tell our audience a little bit about your, your experiences with your own mental health struggles and what that's looked like in the past. And then I want to talk about what it looks like now too. Well, I, um, I feel, I feel in a way very blessed for my mental health struggle because I've had a lot of things on the, on the way that have safeguarded me and kept me alive. Um, and taking helped me with my mental health and some a lot of times it makes me sadder to know that there are people who didn't have those you know very those things to help them such as I was the behavioral health specialist in the military and I served as a behavioral health specialist in Iraq uh you know seeing patients that I had you know a caseload and things of that such and I'm getting my master's in social work uh with the hopes of becoming a social worker and getting a job working overseas uh, with the military mm. um but when I'm going to the VA and I'm trying to get care, I try to extend grace because I understand the system having worked in it. I know they don't have enough people and that they're overwhelmed with the amount of veterans. Mm -hmm. uh, and I can only give them a little bit of grace for that because on the other side, I'm like, well, I need help. Um, mm -hmm. And I've been in a very like heavy arguer. I don't, I literally don't mind throwing things if I need to. Mm -hmm. And I'll look and say, it's unacceptable that I would have to do this uh, to get care. Uh, so I, I'm always up for people, you know, trying to get help before it gets to that point. Cause I've yes. run a lot yes. to the VA before I feel like, you know, I'm erratic. Cause then I, when I get there, no one wants to listen to crazy black man, you know, <laughs> even though no one was, when you go, no one wants to listen to calm black man either. And then I have to bring out angry black man just a little bit and they go, Oh, okay. Let's yeah, we're paying yeah, attention so now. Cool. And I want to interrupt you a minute because I have a really dear friend and her husband was in the military and served and um, he ended up dying three years ago. She found him in the bedroom. He had OD'd and um, he had tried multiple times to get the, the mental health support that he needed from the PTSD um, and he just couldn't get... Um, and again, I know that they're understaffed and, and everything, and there's probably a multitude of things we don't understand, but he could not get the behavioral mental health that he needed. And so my friend like wrote a very intense letter to the government on behalf of her dead husband, explaining what she had endured with him, how he had changed when he came back, um, 
and the downward struggle, how many times he had reached out for help and not been able to get it. So I hear you very clearly um, when you are saying that the supports we know are not in place to help veterans with that extremely important piece. And the, and the letters are funny enough. I'm a, you know, I love writing letters at this point because I know how effective they can be. I had to write a letter to get out of the military uh, because at one point when they medically evacuated me from Iraq because my unit was, you know, a piece of crap. Um, when I got home, I was in this medical hold unit for two years doing odd jobs. Just, they couldn't figure out if they wanted to kick me out or keep me. And for two years, I was just in this loop of just holding. And I had to write a letter to everybody. Let's say I wrote it to every, the generals, all the generals, all the Sergeant majors. And the first line said, I knew I should have killed myself in Iraq. And it was like, why am I sitting in this unit? And I'm not, and I was like, what makes me even angrier is that I can still be providing mental health care while you're figuring out where I need to go. Yes. But since you're not yes. even doing that and you have me driving around the Sergeant major or working in the mail room, Yes. Absolutely not. Within and why, why did they have an issue with you? For they me, you um, were unstable or what? Well, in my, my unit, once um, I had some mental health concerns come up and I was trying to talk, I had to talk to another, um, not my psychologist, another psychologist. And then there was other friction that happened. There's a whole bunch of people sleeping with other people. So all of that stuff. Yes. And so all that, and they didn't want to have to deal with that. So they evacuate you, bring you back, give you kind of these jobs just to keep you busy. Um, and so, yeah, you begin to advocate for yourself and every other person who needs that support. Um, and so what are your mental health struggles? Is it depression? I know that it, at times you do have the suicidal thoughts. Um, and I think it's so important that we talk about that. And I, I'm very transparent with my struggles too, Vaughn. I mean, I currently meet with a psychiatrist because for 28 years I was on Zoloft for my panic disorder. Um, and it has not been working well for the last several years. And so, um, you know, I wanted to really make sure that I had someone who could understand my panic disorder and transition me to another medicine. And so I'm in the throes and have been of that for about six months. And I have like no qualms about saying, I mean, I, I have a counselor in my life. He's been in my life for 20 years. Uh, the version of Kim Strobel in front of you and what I can achieve and do is he's, he's one really big component of that because, you know, sometimes people think you go to a counselor and who needs a counselor. And I'm like, every single person in the world needs a, yeah, a counselor, a coach, somebody who it's too hard to even know sometimes what our baggage is that we're carrying. But anyway, tell me what kind of your mental, um, struggles are as far as diagnoses. Well, I was diagnosed a while ago with bipolar two. Um, so I really don't have manic. It's more depressive episodes that I have. The best way to describe it for me is I have really high moments where everything feels amazing or, you know, it could be like, I'm talking to you and then I'm going to see my friend later on today. And then maybe I'll see a show. And I'm like, that was a great day. Then I have to prepare myself. And I kind of allude to this sometime in my story, I have to prepare myself for the crash after that, where I wake up and I don't feel as well. Um, I, I started seeing a lot of that when I did my semester at sea 
uh, and every time I would come back into port, my mood would shift. It would. It was really interesting. We're in port, uh, so I've been going to the VA for that. Uh, but I also have a sense that really affects my life really weirdly and uniquely. I've always called it dysthymia, which is just a sense of boredom. So I don't get to, you know, say it to many people. And if you watch my stories, you would understand how crazy it would sound for me to say I'm bored. Um, but I can say that I'm bored. Uh, and yeah. it's 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 a weird thing, especially when I talk to therapists and everyone, they're like, oh, my God, you're like, what do you do? I'm like, yeah, that's cool whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like You know, I think it's like, I was thinking about it with stress recently because, um, one of the things I've noticed about myself is that when I'm not like every now and then I have these periods where I'm not quite as busy in my work. Um, and I mean, Vaughn, what goes on in my head, like I start to get a little bit of depression when I'm not like super busy. And like, I kind of feed off that adrenaline of feeling stressed and like, Oh my God, I got to get this done. I got to get this done. Oh my God. I don't have enough time. And like, I might be super stressed, but I also know that like my brain is kind of, um, hungry all the time for that, like adrenaline rush. It's the same reason that I barely get anywhere by the hair of my chinny chin chin. I will have a hair appointment and be driving like a mad woman trying to get there just on the dot. And I'm like, oh my God, Kim, why, you know, but I know like I'm addicted to it. So do you feel like it's like you're, you, you're addicted to needing stimulation all the time? Is, is that, or adventure? I don't, I, I don't really feel that way, especially after COVID, after quarantining, I really learned, cause I traveled with myself, you know, for a while anyway. So I was okay with, with me and myself, um, but I would always stay busy and COVID really taught me to sit with myself and do nothing sometimes, you know? Um, so I, I didn't become obsessed with it. I like staying busy. It feels good. It, it keeps me active. It keeps me moving, which I, I love. Uh, but I, I will say I do, I've gotten much better at it because I work on myself a lot. So mm -hmm. I have exercise sitting down. <laughs> yeah. I have exercise sitting in front of the TV and not moving, like literally three hours before this, I was like, I could go do X, Y, and Z, or I could just be in the house. And I was like, sit. And yes. I've learned to do that and it's helped. But the big thing with mental health, I always bring up, it's work. You know, sometimes you need to, I have a person in my head that'll read me and be like, what are you talking about? What are you? And I'm like, I'll ha I literally have that. I have to like, you know, like catch myself. And that's yes. part of the work that a lot of people don't realize that, that you really need to invest in. Yes. I know for me, and I, again, this is going to sound crazy, but I'm so self-reflective and it's even the weekends, even though like I'm, I'm excited by like Sunday, I start slipping into, oh my God, you know, I just need to start my work week. And I'm like, Kim, so I'm actually going to learn. Um, I'm scheduled to go to Louisville and take a four day uh, course on transcendental meditation so that I can learn to, um, be more comfortable going within myself. And then my goal is I'm 48 is to do the 500 mile walk across Spain by myself. It's the El Camino de Santiago. Um, it should take me five to six weeks. And that is like really important because I've got to learn to sit with myself more. Um, now I want to go back to your bipolar two. How, is it like a cycle where you have so many high days and then you kind of know, okay, here comes the low. It should be coming anytime. Or is it very sporadic? It's, um, it's sporadic with me. 
I worked so I can see it kind of coming. I like to say like the cloud moving, you know, I can feel it or sense that I'm going to have an episode. So at this point, I'm able to kind of prep myself. So certain things that would usually help me sink lower, I have to, you know, avoid or move around or uh, stop doing them or put things in place, such as calling a bunch of friends and making sure that I'm staying connected, even if it means calling every single one of my close friends, you know, mm-hmm. so but I can see that much. And it, it's really sporadic. I had one when I landed in uh, Brazil on New Year's Day. I was like, you're in Sao Paulo in Brazil. And I was just like, I don't care. I could die right now. Just like. And that's how you really feel, right? Like you, like you have had suicidal thoughts in the last year, even, right? Yeah. And, and it's important because I, I, I haven't had too many of the technically suicidal thoughts. They've been ideations or ruminating thoughts of wanting to die because I, I like to explain, like, I do love myself. I know that I'm amazing. I don't really have that self-confidence problem or, um, you know, the esteem or um, feeling helpless in that sense. Uh, it's just a matter of be- feeling over being in the world um, and having to go through the stuff that I go through. I'd rather just not. And for me, a lot of it is feeling like I've reached kind of a ceiling with life. It really doesn't feel like there's more than this. And it's like, if this is all that there is, it, it doesn't motivate me to want to go that much further in life. And I, you know, take me out any moment. Yes. And, and uh, it's reminding me, I always tell this story. I mean, I really had that bathroom moment when I was 22 years old and I was um, having panic attacks, you know, every, every hour of every day and didn't have a diagnosis and just thought I was, you know, just, I, I didn't know what the hell was wrong with me. I thought I had psychological problems or I couldn't understand why I was 22 years old and I was nervous if my husband left the house or to walk around the block or whatever. And I always say that I really did have that moment where I curled up in the fetal position of my bathroom and I laid on the rug and I was like, you know, I, I'm not going to go get a gun. I'm not going to slip my wrist. Like, I just don't have that in me, but I pleaded with God to please just somehow take my life from me. Just, just do it because it's really too hard to be where I am right now. Um, And for me, I I do remember, I don't know. I always say, I don't know if it was a voice or like an inner, I don't know what it was, but like, I did hear something that like spoke to me and basically said, like, you can't stop now. You, you are made for more. Like you have to get up off that bath mat rug and you know, you have to figure this out. And, um, I don't know if it was divine intervention or what, but, you know, of course I still have some struggles today with the, the panic and stuff, but I do understand what you're saying. I think in that it's not like we're, we're going to do it, but we feel like we just kind of wish it would happen on its own. And that's how I felt at that time. Um, And I am a little bit on the point where, you know, I have gotten to the point where I have started to consider um, suicide mm -hmm. as like, I'm not just going to wait, but I, I've, I've worked so hard to not get there that I have to work to not really make it an option, which is what I'm working towards. But I always feel like I'm like, that's an option. Yes. <laughs> Even if I try yes. not to say it is. So Yes. And when you're in that, those kind of down episodes, <clears throat> will they last days, weeks, hours? It, it depends. It depends. The one that happened in Brazil 
And it could have been because I had like, you know, a vape pen. Um, I was seven o'clock. I was like, okay, I'm listening to music and I'm fine, you know, since music helps so much. Uh, so usually it's not a long period of time at this point because I've worked to, to shorten them. Yes. And I also yeah. think it's important part of the work is having your soldiers in place to fight that war when you know you're going to go through it. So I know and make sure that they actually work, you know, not like those police officers who stood outside the, the school and did nothing, you know, make right. sure they are, you know, if this happens for me, I'm going to call a certain amount of friends. I'm going to make sure that I, you know, don't isolate myself too much or I'm going to make sure I'm eating because not eating is a trigger and I won't even think about it and it just gets worse. So I have to put those things in place. So and they become shorter and shorter and then. After a while, it's just like a little rainstorm, an annoying rainstorm, thunderstorm, sometimes hail. But, yes. you know, it's like, oh, yes, and it's over. You know, I think that's what I've had to. Uh, it's hard. And my counselor has been working. I don't even like to call him a counselor because he's like so much more than that. He's he's like a spiritual mentor. He's just this biggest gift in my life. Well, not the biggest. Uh, he's pretty big. My, I always think, oh, I can't. <laughs> say, that's a lie. My son is the biggest gift in my life. And then I better throw my husband, Scott, in there because he's a pretty good guy, too. <laughs> But um, he tries so hard, Vaughn, to get me to accept that this could be a lifelong struggle for me. And that just like you said, you know, the, the, the train will come again, but maybe there's seven, you know, cargoes on it and not 10 the next time. And I really resist that, Vaughn. I am like, no, damn it. I'm going to heal this. Like, I'm going to get over this. I'm going to be, and I, and I don't. I, you know, I don't want to accept that my life might always be like this. And I think it causes distress because I don't know, there's two sides of me. One says, Kim, you know, you, you do a lot of thought work. You, you know, there are ways to overcome these things and you just keep at it, girl. You, you, you could, you could actually heal yourself from this. Um, and then the other part of me says, if I quit resisting, what would happen? I think it's important to adjust, have, um, just like they say, smart goals um, yes. is, you know, you have to think healing, healing is kind of out the window in a, in a way in my head, you can, you can heal, but say the scar will be there or, you know, and the scar sometimes is susceptible to whatever, but I, I do, it is a lifelong journey it could come back. Certain things can change for me. I've been through times where I was like, I'm healed. <laughs> and then I, but I also was smart enough to go, I have no stressors in my life right now. Yes. And I was smart. If somebody, <laughs> somebody else literally would have stopped their meds at that point and said that yeah. I'm healed. Yes. And then yes. the stressor comes, boom. And you still have to, I always think of it as a war. You still have to fight that war. So yes. um, it, it is a, it's a constant journey that you go through life. It's just a matter of the effect on you, I think is important. Um, especially yeah. for me, cause so much of it has helped me mature and make me older and stronger that it's like almost like bring it. But it does yes. feel to me in a way that I was given this burden because I could carry it. Oh yes. Yeah. When, so one of the things he always says to me is Kim, everybody has a vulnerability. Everybody does. Maybe somebody else's vulnerability is this. Everybody has a vulnerability. Your vulnerability is this anxiety disorder. Um, but, and, and I, 
okay, I see the gifts of it. And I know that I would not be doing any of the work that I'm doing now had I not had that. But then when I had a relapse of it in 2018 and it kind of knocked me all the way back, I was kind of like pissed off big time. I was like, you know, like I'm out here doing good work because of this damn struggle that I had and I'm using this shit for goodness in the world. And now you want to give me this again, damn it. You know, and I got like, well, I mean, I was scared. I was angry. Um, <laughs> all of those feelings. And so I, I hear what you're, you're saying in that we, we do acknowledge the goodness that has come from these struggles that we have, um, which I think is so important too, is, you know, I always tell people like kids, especially students, they get given all these labels, right? They're ADD, they're ADHD, they're this and that and that. And many times that label is actually their special gift, right? Mm -hmm. It's their special sauce. And I think like as, as we, as people can start to see what I consider, and I do, I've considered it a weakness, Vaughn. I have, um, I think that I overachieve to such a level because I still feel like I have this so-called weakness inside of me and damn it, I'm going to stomp it out. Like I'm going to show that weak little Kim, damn it, who I really am. And I'm going to just, and, and I recognize that I'm not there yet with being like kind to it. I, I mean, I try to be, but I'll just be honest. It's, it's just, I'm not there yet, <laughs> you know? Um, but I, I know I'm supposed to be like this. Kim, you know, it's okay. You have this struggle. You're still worth loving. It doesn't mean you're any less, you know, I do all that talk. Um, but it is something that I still struggle with today. Yeah. I, I and one of the Kanye West songs that he has, um, that I love, it's called, I thought about killing you today. <laughs> oh, uh, that's been he, my theme song for Scott yesterday, but keep talking. Yeah. And even in, even in the song, he says, like, I, I love, I, I love myself. Like, I don't want to kill myself. I kill you, but I'm good. And in the end, he even says, you know, bipolar, that's my superpower. That's my super strength. And I, and, and I thought of that as a good example, because as much as Kanye is controversial and things pop up, his music is genius. And you see that struggle makes his music that genius. And it's, it's, it's that's a perfect example of it being uh people's superpower unfortunately you do need to learn to hone it just like any other superhero that's right that's right <laughs> you gotta, yeah you, you gotta can learn it for how good to or bad right point it in whatever direction so it's not hitting other people and stuff like that but it yeah. can for everybody i believe that you know Vaughn, i so appreciate your willingness to go there i mean I, of course i knew this about you and that's why i wanted to have you on as a guest but i think that part of my reason for wanting to have this episode, and we hear a lot about this, but I'm not so sure that people really feel it. And to anybody listening, I think that's what I would want them to hear from this is, you know, truly all of us have some type of mental health for the most part issue. Maybe it's not a coded diagnosis in the manual of whatever, but understanding that we don't have to feel less than because we have it. Um, and I feel like, you know, when I travel and I get on these big stages and I'm, you know, dressed to the nines and 
got my heels on and looks and, you know, people are like, oh my gosh, she, she flies across the country. She steps on these stages. She empowers these people. Like she just has this great life. And then within the first 10 minutes, I let them know about my struggles because it is so easy for us to think that, you know, people don't have these struggles, but in fact, we all have some type of struggle. And when I say this, I feel like I'm saying it to myself too, but continuing to work on understanding that I'm not a lesser person because of it. I mean, I, I do recognize that a lot of the time, but every time a little bit, I slip back into feeling bad about it or frustrated as well, which I think is normal, but I, I really appreciate you um, and I'll tell you, men are even worse at acknowledging this, you know. And I've dealt with a lot in the military, you know, which is why I want to be able to work with the military. But it's oh, been yes. therapeutic. It's been therapeutic for me to, you know, to be transparent. I know that people are going through things. People love talking to me. So people tell me all sorts of stuff. And I'm like, uh, I'm not the only person feeling like that. Like, okay, like, so why are we whispering about this? <laughs> yes. And I honestly think there's nobody better to do that work than the person who has had the genuine experience of that, which is why you will be an incredible gift to people in that regard. And so, oh my gosh, Fawn. Well, I know there's like 72 more topics that I want to get into with you, but um, tell people where they can find you. Um, and then I will place all of this in the show notes for them as well. Um, so the best place is my Instagram. The name is deadlift dance deadlift and then dance um, and then I have a Facebook fan page called Sean Vaughn Carter where you can see my performances coming up and where I'll be and hopefully come to your city if you want to book me yes <laughs> oh my gosh I mean here's the thing I know some of the people listening like I just know when they go to your seat because that people are not used to seeing such <laughs> liberation. So like, they're going to just, okay, now I'm peeking them. Cause you know how, when you tell somebody that they're going to be shocked, they're like, I'm freaking going to that Instagram page. <laughs> but it's like, it is amazing to watch you sometimes. It's like, you are so yourself and, and oh my God. And so like, I'm addicted to it and people are going to just be like, what's this crazy side of Kim and who's this friend of hers? <laughs> If it makes anybody feel better, both my grandmothers have looked at my Instagram and my grandmother watches it. She skips over a couple pictures, but she watches yeah, my story I love it and everything. when you say, and yes, my grandma or my mom has viewed this. It's like so good. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Vaughn, for your transparency, for agreeing to do this. Um, you are an absolute gift to so many people in this world. Thank you for being you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me on the She Finds Joy show today. I'm so honored that you chose to listen to this episode. As always, this conversation will be continued in my free private Facebook group called She Finds Joy. You can join that group by going to kimstrobel.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other people just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we drop a new episode every other Wednesday. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to kimstrobel.com forward slash review. That will put you in Apple podcast where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down just a little bit, 
you can leave a five-star review and write a few sentences letting me know what you thought. It's so very important to get people to leave a review for my podcast. The reviews help me get higher on the iTunes list, and that will show up when people are searching for a new podcast, and it will really help us get new subscribers. So if I could ask one little favor for you just to go to kimstrobel.com forward slash review, give us a review and give us a comment and let us know what's been helpful. Thank you so much for listening in. I am really honored to be a part of this community with you.